0: In just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hey, what's up? It's Nolan from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are an automotive history show. This week, we're talking the life story of Gilles Villeneuve, Canada's most important Formula One driver, This guy is a national hero up there, and truly one of the greats taken from us too soon. He started out racing snowmobiles when he was a teenager. He invented one of the most important snowmobile innovations ever, which is crazy for a Formula One driver to do, and eventually became just one of the most legendary drivers of the 1970s. This guy raced for such a short time, but had such a large impact. And it was super cool to talk about a club Acqua racing legend. That's Pass gas by Dona Media available anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Number one, automotive podcast, Pass gas. At over 3 million square miles, the Sahara is the largest desert in the world. About a quarter of that area is covered in sand dunes as high as 1,000 feet, and the rest is just as inhospitable. Barren, gravel-covered plains, rocky mountains and plateaus that jut up out of nowhere, average daily highs of 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and overnight lows that plunge below freezing. It's in this extreme environment that motorcycle racer Terry Sabine found himself lost in January of 1977 the Frenchman was competing in the Abidjan Nice rally a race that began in the capital of the Ivory Coast and its finish line in the French Riviera but Sabine had strayed far from the route stranded somewhere in the Libyan desert a world away from the Mediterranean climate of Nice without any water and food Sabine sucked on small stones to keep his mouth moist and waited for rescue after three long days Sabine was airlifted out of the race by the race organizer but the ordeal had changed Sabine. On his return trip to France, an idea began to crystallize in his mind. One rally to rule them all. How did Terry Sabine's near-death experience lead to the most infamous off-road race in the world? What about the endurance rally's extreme risk attracted drivers, adventurers, and even celebrities eager to cheat death? And why, after many years, many deaths, A couple continents later, does the race continue to be a challenge for those who go and a dream for those who stay behind? Today on Pass Gas, it's the history of the Paris-Dakar rally. Pass
2: Gas Podcast, it's about cars, it's not about ports. Dude, a challenge for those who go and a dream for those to stay behind is a quote, ladies and gentlemen. Good. That's sick. That's poetic. That's yeah. poetic. A hey, up, oh, dude. Again, race car drivers say the coolest ah, stuff. <laughs> it's because they're close to God. <laughs> I don't
3: know about you guys, but I'm. Uh I'm really craving some stones to suck on. Oh, yeah. Sucking on them. Sucking on on chili stones stones. (laughs) to keep my mouth
2: moist. (laughs) Sucking on chili stones to keep my mouth moist. (laughs) Little (laughs) ditty back deck and dying.
3: Uh,
2: Mm. Our young audience is going to love this. But the other day, I was thinking about uh, John (laughs) Cougar Melon Camp. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, that's, he wrote, he's saying that. No, I I think it's
3: John Cougar Concentration Camp. Junk, oh, that. that's a punk band, by the way. I didn't I make that imagine. joke up, yeah.
2: That song is the Mellencamp version of like Bruce Springsteen's The River.
3: I always thought it was Bruce Springsteen singing, I thought that so no, too. It's not, I didn't
2: want to interject. The Bruce Springsteen version of like Teenage Love is like, and for my 18th birthday, I got a union card and a wedding <laughs> code. <Yeah. laughs>
3: she was 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, uh, like, High on Fire or something. What's that song? Oh, I'm, I'm on, fire. on fire. I'm on fire is, like, kind of predatory. Is if you it? listen to it, yeah. Hey, little girl, is your daddy home?
2: Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? I'm on fire. please you 14. <laughs> <laughs> please call 911. <9-1-1. laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> it's wildfire. No, it's I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Oh, oh wow. Speaking of fire, yeah, guys, we we're all stuff. wearing the same shirt today. Oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, After happen. nearly four years on the air, Pass Gas finally has merch, 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 merch.
1: Right. It's right here. Wink Wink Nation.
2: Donut has had a pretty boom in merchandise operation for that, the last few oh, years Let, me, and let me inspect. we this. are now excited to offer for the very first time pass gas shirts
1: yes for the listener that can't see the shirt it's a wink wink nation
2: shirt with a uh we we'll Japanese roadster on It's yes. not allowed to be a Mazda oh, don't don't I didn't say it was. I said it's not allowed don't to be. saying don't even. Don't the even. name. All I'm saying is it's not allowed to be one. And then it says, yes.
1: uh, wink, wink, nation, in the style of kind of like a, a, a Volkswagen ad, a Porsche ad, maybe? Yeah, but it's not. It, but it's not. Uh, it's a not, European sports yes. car ad yeah. in the style of that. Uh, it's got some more text down below. It's a really uh, cool shirt. Really I really, great. really like it a lot. It's really cool. And then um, we and also have got a poster of the same poster. design. Oh, yeah, you, can oh. you can get it as a poster. <laughs> you can get it as a poster. We've got a bunch of stickers as well.
2: James, we how about whole you read those sticker off? sticker pack, uh, KCAR 109.5, The Car. Our fictional radio station. Fictional radio station that this podcast airs on. We got an exclusive to this uh, Drop Donut OG logo sticker, which I really like. It's kind of like... Wild. It's like a little 3D. It's a little, it's like got a nice drop shadow, but it's a little more hand drawn. It's like hand drawn looking. Yeah, and then a Wink Wink Nation sticker, same design as the shirt and the poster. Another KCAR globe sticker, and then we all, my favorite one of the pack, Pass Gas or Cash, Nobody Rides for That's Free. That's pretty good. Nice, pretty, that. pretty good. So if you want to show uh, everybody your support uh, or that you are a fan of Pass Gas and you want to do it in a way that makes you and or your car or your bedroom wall look cool, mm-hmm. then go to DonutMedia.com, pick yourself up some. Mm-hmm. Uh, if these sell good, then we'll make more and more. Maybe... There's a give me back my son shirt <laughs> yeah, down right. the road. Or maybe there's a keep it juiced mug in the works. We, we also know. had
3: like some sort of uh, opposing faction to Wink Wink Nation that I can't remember. Oh, uh, Blink Blink Army. Blink Blink Army.
1: Also, uh, this is an episode that you guys have been requesting for a very long time. I can't rally. believe we haven't done it yet. Yeah. I, th- I thought for sure we had, um, but maybe it's because we've mentioned it a lot in other episodes maybe. Uh-huh. But I'm actually really excited to talk about this. We've done... We did the Camel Challenge. Camel Challenge. We did
3: Dakar, maybe up to speed. We've done a ton of videos on Dakar. Yeah. Yeah, we've done a lot of Dakar videos. Dakar yeah. videos.
2: Maybe it wasn't up to speed. Almost every podcast has been about um, Dakar. Dakar. Yeah, yeah. Some so.
3: license plates, some yeah. about Dakar. Yeah,
2: some Dakar, <laughs> some to trucks. The truck rally. Buy the merch. Wink, wink, nation. Rise up. Let's get to media.com Donutmedia.com. All right,
1: so... This story starts with one man, Terry Sabine. Sabine was born on June 13, 1949, to a wealthy family in an affluent city just west of Paris, France. His father, Gilbert, was a dentist, and his mother,
2: Andrea, was a Parisian antiques dealer. Oh. See, a Parisian antiques dealer is much different than most other antiques dealers. Like It's like per- 600 years old. Yeah, yeah, Parisian antiques is like antiquities. Yeah. They're like, this is the guillotine. This is the killed Marie Antoinette. Oh, yeah.
3: Jerry's uh, <clears throat> Jerry's friend did not know what a guillotine was, and was like, "BS! If you ask five people in your office what a guillotine is, they're not going to know what it is." And literally, everyone knew so those really what it red was. cherries that you
2: put in
1: Shirley
3: Temple.
1: <laughs> 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 Jerry's interest in racing likely stemmed from his father, who participated in international rallies during terry's childhood in the 1950s i would concur that would probably be passed down once terry began racing himself his father would even join him as a co-driver oh, isn't that
2: nice That is cute
1: terry for his part was a pretty successful driver in the nine years following 1969 he wrapped up 30 national wins Loops. including the 1974 uh, gt french championship he competed three times in the 24 hours of le mans from 75 to 77 with his best finish in 13th place in 76, where he drove a Porsche Carrera RSR. But racing wasn't enough for Terry, so in 1975, he put together his first race. As a marketing and advertising major, Terry had been working as a press officer for Les Touquet, a small beach community in northern France. The winter months were pretty dead in the tourist town, so Terry got creative and decided to organize a motorcycle race on the beach. That sounds sick like Race of Gentlemen style. The race was called Enduro du Touquet, now known as (laughs) Enduro Palais du Touquet. The race still occurs over three days every February on France's Opal Coast, but this was just a stepping
2: stone for what Terry would do next. During the 1977 Abidjan Nice rally we talked about in the opening when Terry was rescued by helicopter from an almost certain death, the air crew reportedly told him, eh, from now on, start your new life. <laughs> they meant that could be taken in a nice way or a, a mean way, depending on the tone. Mm-hmm. Like It could be like, eh, from now on, start <laughs> your new life. Or like, from now on, start your new life. Ah uh, we I bet the best. Terry agreed and later wrote, "The desert deeply marked me and developed <laughs> in me a very particular instinct and sensitivity, and above all, insurmountable desires to return, but since then, never again
1: alone." There's something magical about the desert
3: oh yeah, yeah. It it's a sea people. of sand that's great oh and it changes a lot Yeah, we should go out to uh, palm desert sometime
2: we should when we were uh, some peyote yeah. i was in southern utah with matt's off-road recovery and we were on the dunes mm-hmm. and we were just parked there and there's wind going and he was like if you left this car here for two days and you came back it would be going that's crazy like just in a park i was like literally a park we could see the road from where yeah. we were He's like, Yeah, look under the thing, like under the tires. Mm. He's like, You can already see it. It's starting to just like eat the car.
3: It's like quicksand or? No, it's just because the the way wind
2: works, if it's windy, (laughs) it'll go like all around the car and buries Mm. it. So it'll blow everything around the car. It can't blow the car. So it just blows all the sand away from the
3: car. Yeah, it can't blow a car for sure. No,
2: I can't blow a car. Yeah. Can you?
3: (laughs) <laughs> I can blow a car, Greg. Can you milk me? Can you blow the car? You can blow the car you by losing car. it. Yeah, if you can blow the car. Yeah, if you cold
2: pull, you blow the car. Mm-hmm. Too much boost, mm-hmm. you blow the car. Yeah. If you lose the race. You blow the car. Duck car. Da car. Yeah, you da blow the car. car. Blow the car. Terry wanted to bring the masses to race through the Sahara where they could test their vehicles as well as themselves. Mm. He immediately sprung into action to make his dream a reality. In less than a year, Terry secured funding for the race by bringing on a company that made fruit juice beverages called <laughs> Oasis. Ooh. Perfect. Always tastes great.
3: Wish you would step back from that race, That's friend. not Oasis.
2: That is Third Eye Blind. That's Third Eye Blind. I don't want to be. No, that's Third Eye Blind. <laughs> but that's Fuck. the wrong lyrics to the same oh song you were singing. Team passing down the hall. Faster than a cannonball. Mm-hmm. Where were you mm, while we were Sucking down chili uh, dogs. Oh. <laughs> Oasis. Thus, the first Paris-Dakar rally was called the Oasis Rally and began September 26, 1978, in Paris' Place du Trocadéro. From there, competitors would make their first stop in Marseille, where they caught a boat to Algeria. Then they'd continue through Algeria, Nigeria... Mali and upper volta what is now burkina faso
3: upper volta is a really cool mars
2: volta they make some
3: crazy music over
2: there dude i love mars volta yeah and upper volta which is now known as burkina faso with the senegalese capital of dakar as their final destination on january 14th Overall, the race was just over 6,000 miles. Wow, you'd have to take some time off to make that race. Yeah. yeah, you got to take some more time Ooh. off than Jeremiah. <laughs> 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 the initial race, actually, more time off than Christina. Ooh, producer Christina. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be taking some time
1: off in the late summer, though. I'm I know.
2: Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. The initial race consisted of eight stages. These stages ranged in length between roughly 260 miles and 1,473 miles. Once the drivers reached Africa, each individual stage would be hundreds of miles of specials. The quaint name Terry gave to the treacherous off-roading that inspired the race. Rocky terrain with high risk of puncturing a tire, towering dunes hundreds of feet tall, Deep sand that made traction impossible—all part of what made a special, special. Mm.
3: You know what's interesting? What? The Atlas Mountains in Algeria are the same mountains in the Scottish Highlands and the Appalachians. No kidding. Yeah,
1: they all part of—they were all together in Pangea,
3: huh? And, and That's
1: now they, cool. Now they never talk anymore because they're so
3: far. They forward. never talk. they are so busy. But then they both
2: got <laughs> banjos.
3: Yeah, ding yeah, ding 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 ding. yeah.
2: Something about the mountains Mikey you wanna pluck that banjo, bang, bang, bang. I'm freaking Bella Fleck over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanna touch on something that James said in the Paris Dakar Rally episode. There are no banjos. <laughs> I was like, are there Scottish banjos?
1: Probably. Probably like lutes. They're the, the devil kinda, went
3: down to the Glasgow. They're the link because banjos are originated from Africa, but bluegrass music was developed by Scottish and Irish immigrants in the Appalachians. So that's the link. Whoa. Yeah.
2: Cool. Adding to the difficulty before and after the race portion of each stage was an untimed transit stage that could often add hundreds of miles, which is like we're going from this part of the race to this other part mm-hmm. of the race company move Mm -hmm. if you're in the film industry (laughs) participants would have to travel to base camp from the finish line and travel back again the next morning from the base camp to that day's starting line Mm -hmm. what a pain in the ass they still do this yeah Despite being untimed, these additional miles put even more strain on competitors and their machines. And I think it's like sanity. you know you could you could argue
1: like oh they should just like put the stages closer together, but I think part of the long-standing tradition of this race is that kind of like transit. Like period. A, you gotta drive to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like drag week, you know, yeah. where you got you're going to each one, each mm-hmm. track, and uh, this is part of the the reliability
2: challenge. It's you know, apt comparison. Thank you. This meant that even after a grueling day of racing, where racers traveled an average of 550 miles, it could be another couple hours before they'd even reach base camp. And then you got a shower, and yeah. then you got to <laughs> talk to your significant other for,
3: you know, you got to think time. about what's for dinner because there's no McDonald's no around. M- McDonald's
2: around? God McDonald's? forbid they put a McDonald's at the car. No
3: Grimace shake. <sighs> uh, <sighs> <clears throat> Similarly, Is that what Grimace sounds like?
2: <clears throat> hey guys, <clears throat>
3: hey little
2: girl, hey little girl, drink I'm on my, fire. Drink my blood. I'm Grimace, drink my blood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Grimace, drink my blood. Can I have fries with that? <laughs> It's really good
3: if you dip fries in my blood. (laughs) Dip your fries in my blood. Do you have any games on
2: your phone?
3: (laughs) Can I borrow 80
2: bucks? (laughs) Do you have an iPhone
3: 4 charger?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Similarly, competitors would have to be up before dawn just to make it to the beginning of the next stage, which began at... Sunrise. I would have a tough time, time at this race. I'm uh, sleeping yeah. in, I like being in bed. I'm right. a grumpy grump before sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, there's little time for rest, and I was at these base camps that support teams could perform maintenance and repairs. Something they would be prohibited from doing during the stages. Any breakdowns, engine trouble, flat tires, anything that occurred during the stage had to be fixed by the racers themselves or with an assist from fellow competitors. That's so cool, man. That's sick. Well,
1: it yeah. sucks that you have to do that, but yeah. I mean, that's also but very yeah, cool. it's cool. It's
2: part of it. It's why it's cool. What happens yeah. on track happens yeah. on track. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Buy the ticket, <laughs> take the ride, Greg. However, because very few factory teams participated in, in those early years, many amateurs acted as their own mechanics, spending the precious hours before dawn working on their vehicles. So you got to race. You got to drive to the camp. You got to fix your own car. You got to worry about dinner because there's no McDonald's. You drink a little grimace blood. (laughs) (laughs) The brutal elements, stringent rules, and epic length of the race meant that few would ever finish. Of the 182 competitors who were at the starting line, only 74 vehicles reached a car. And the eventual winner almost didn't make it at all. French motorcyclist Cyril Neveu, was in the lead with just one day between him and Glory when the engine of his Yamaha XT500 blew up. However, with Yamaha being one of the few very well-financed teams in the early days of the race, mechanics were able to replace it overnight. This allowed Navou to ride to victory the following day, despite not winning a single special. A newcomer at the time, Nauvoo would become one of the biggest names in the history of Paris-Dakar. I Anderson. know,
3: I... Can't think of Dakar without thinking of Niveu. You think Dakar, you think Navu.
2: It's just crazy to think that this
1: was in the late seventies. You look at the bikes. that Godfather
3: they're... had just come out. Sure,
1: yeah. Uh, have you seen the good today? Uh, you just like the bikes today. The suspension is so good. The tire technology is advanced. They have like GPS on their handlebars and stuff. They're following waypoints and everything. And I'm just thinking of these old Yamahas that probably weighed a ton. Didn't have that much power compared to what's available today, and their suspension—that's what I'm thinking about—is like that is taking such a toll on your body. Yeah, I feel bad for that. But
2: yeah, yeah, their forearms are probably so sore or yoked. Yoked, like Popeye.
3: I want to double the size of my forearms. Yeah, how hard hard is that? Double just your forearms? Yeah, Um, like Popeye style. Just get like a
1: get a kettlebell or something or dumbbell and just do that a lot. What do you think? Like fifty pound
3: kettlebell.
2: 50s.
1: That's, a that'll be high, heavy, probably.
3: Dude. I'm trying to double my arms. I know. Well,
2: work up to it. Otherwise, you're going to blow those arms out, dude. Yeah, blow them out. And then we're going to have to lift your arms up like some mm-hmm. sort of marionette monster. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our
0: sponsors. in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: With its first iteration of success, the Oasis rally was renamed the Paris Dakar rally, often shortened to Paris Dakar and later just Dakar. Like my Claude. For its second running in 1980, factory teams began pouring resources into the race, welcoming big names like BMW, Lada, and Volkswagen. As Naveau sought to defend his title for Yamaha, his biggest challenger emerged riding a BMW 801 Hubert Aureole. Aureole was an Ethiopian born Frenchman nicknamed the African. His father, Jacques Aureole, he worked for the Ethiopian Railway, and his mother, Genevieve de Renaissance de Hauteville, uh, that was his mom. If her, <laughs> <lengthy> name, <laughs> if her lengthy name wasn't a giveaway, guys, she came from nobility. Aurel's roots on the continent meant that the Paris-Dakar rally ha- held a special place in his heart, and with that, he had a determination to beat Naveau. After four stages, Aurel had won three specials, and by halfway through the race, he was the motorcycle leader. However, during a transit stage, Ariel had issues with his gearbox and was forced to catch a ride on a bush taxi—a sort of bus slash rideshare mashup thing common in sub-Saharan Africa. I've ridden a bush taxi before. <laughs> While clever, completing part of the race in this local vehicle was grounds for his disqualification.
3: Yeah, that's
2: pretty obvious. Yeah, because otherwise, everyone would be riding bush taxis. Remember when uh, Max? verstappen <laughs> rode a bush taxi in yeah. sebring last year let's yeah. yeah the 1980 race
1: also allowed for italian mopeds to have a moment despite paris Dakar's growing legend and known difficulty a french team of four led by jean-francois pio entered on vespas that's sick miraculously 23 days later Two of the four Vespa riders crossed the finish line in Dakar. Guys, hit That's that like button. Hit that really subscribe funny. button if you want to see us oh. do the Paris Dakar on Coleman minibikes. We could do no. the Mint Four Hundred on
3: <laughs> mini coal bikes if they can do it Mint on Vespa. Is pretty serious.
2: I want to do it on a Vespa. A Vespa is way different than a mini bike. How so, though? Way better seating position. Way more yeah. powerful. It's like ag-
3: a Vespa there's like is more powerful than a Coleman.
2: There's like 150 cc Vespas really? for sure. Yeah. yeah, I would much rather ride up. A- okay, if you want to see James do that, uh, go ahead. and Hit that there, subscribe there's button. There's a Let reason that down you down see the, Vespas everywhere, yeah. and you only see Coleman mini bikes in Inglewood.
3: <laughs> I would. I if I had to do Dakar on a mini bike, I would pick the Madass.
1: I would do. I would put some stubby tires on a Grom.
2: I think I could do it. You keep talking about Groms, and it's like you just want the danger of a motorcycle, but none of the outlaw coolness that comes with it. Yeah. Well, how do I be dangerous and still look like a clown? All right. All right. I feel
3: attacked.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, The third Paris-Dakar rally in 1981 was the biggest yet. On motorcycle, Hubert Aurel exacted revenge on Cyril Nouveau by kicking him in the nuts. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, And the African won his first Paris-Dakar. But the bigger story was the type of competitors that the race was beginning to attract. Tuh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You had guys like Jackie Ix and Claude Brassour making their Paris-Dakar debut in a Citroën CX. Jackie Ix was already well-known to the motorsports world. The Belgian Formula One driver had already won the 24 hours of Le Mans four times and would go on to win two more. And Claude Brasser, well, he was a French actor who had also won two Caesars, the French equivalent of an Oscar for Best Actors.
3: This This is the
2: first time we're talking about cars in Dakar.
3: Did you watch the Le Césars Uh, this year? I am a César award winner. We're
1: having a Césars party uh, and we're going to get Little Caesars.
3: Nice. (laughs)
2: <laughs> little
1: Caesars. That's how un, I cut my pizza. Caesar's little Caesars.
3: <laughs> cut
2: up the little Caesars with That's the little Caesars. Uh, you, can go down to,
1: you can go down to Caesars Petite. We to are the watching the
2: Caesars. We got little Caesars. We're going to mm-hmm. cut it up with little Caesars.
3: You know, pop-style pizza with the little squares. Little mm. squares. No one gets crushed. <laughs> 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 Similar to the Vespas a
1: year prior, another unique vehicle debuted on the rally. Two wealthy French guys, Jean-Christophe Pelletier and Thierry de Montcoget, teamed up to attack the desert in a Rolls-Royce.
2: Nice.
1: The idea began as a joke. Nice. Like many donut videos. Yeah. Pelletier <laughs> was tired of the expensive repairs his first-generation Rolls-Royce corniche had required, and while out for drinks, the two riffed on trashing it, in the Paris-Dakar rally, instead of pouring more money into it. I'm sure that that was the cheaper option. Incredibly, once they sobered up, they still thought this was a good idea. But it wasn't that simple, James. No, it never is. To make it through the desert, the Rolls Royce had to be modified. The Corniche was given a ladder frame chassis and a four-wheel drive system. (laughs) This is like a truck now. Its transmission was swapped out in favor of one from a Toyota Land Cruiser, and it's engine replaced with a 350 cubic inch Chevy crate engine. And you hear the EG Civic firing up in the background. I don't know if the audience could hear that. That's a K20, baby. Yeah. So in addition to that Chevy crate engine, a custom steel frame went up around the chassis as well as fiberglass body panels that served to keep
2: both the car's weight down. And most importantly, retain that classic Rolls-Royce Corniche So styling. they didn't want to dump more money into this car yeah. that he drove around town, so they completely changed every piece of it. Yeah. yeah,
3: They just, all they did was, like, put a new chassis on it. A new chassis
2: and fiberglass body and a new engine in trans and make it four-wheel drive. Yeah. Just
3: literally. It's touched, not like they're putting money into it. It's every system of the car. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm guessing that they probably just took a truck chassis yeah. and put that body on top,
2: because mm-hmm. uh-huh. that'd be way simpler than like. But they then they the replaced a lot of it with fiberglass. Yeah. yeah.
1: As for the interior, they added bucket seats. They also took the AC out for weight considerations. Ooh. And all told, very little remained of the original car, except for superficial traces, like its windows, bumpers, grill, and classy... I mean, it looks like a Rolls Royce on it a truck. It does, yeah. Yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a Rolls Royce. Keeping with its affluent theme, the team was sponsored by Christian Dior. That's it. Hell yeah. Or more specifically, Dior's new aftershave, Jules. Yeah, so it says Jules down the side of this mofo. This gave the car its name, which was plastered all over it. Additionally, the well-off Frenchman stayed on brand by bringing champagne and gourmet food uh, to drive the rally with them. That's pretty hilarious. The car held its own, but was disqualified when Pelletier and fixed the steering system in what was deemed an illegal repair mm. despite this the car finished the race unassisted an accomplishment in its own right and i'm gonna call i don't know what kind of repair that was but honestly if you can just keep that thing going through the entire race i feel like they should just yeah. let you do this it this thing rules like what the heck who cares
2: Too many rules in racing. Too many rules in racing. If you change the results of a thing after the fact, it's lame 99.9% of the time. Let the the boys race. That should, like, never happen. We talked about that a couple
1: weeks ago on uh, uh, DRS uh, after the Australian Grand Prix, which was a total disaster. Anyway, check that show
2: out. James. In 1982, the following year, Cyril Nau returned to glory in the motorcycle class, giving Honda its very first victory. Oh. Meanwhile, Hubert Oriel had to withdraw over safety concerns with his BMW. The Xpressure duo won seven stages in 1982, en route to a fifth place finish. But the biggest story of Paris Dakar's fourth edition was being host to an international. Incident. oh Oh, I know what this is. Yeah. Mark Thatcher, son of then UK Prime Minister, the Iron Lady herself, Margaret Thatcher, entered the fray driving a Peugeot 504. Brimming with confidence, he told the BBC before the race, I've now raced in Le Mans and other things. This rally is no problem. But there was a problem. On day three, he suffered a broken rear axle in Algeria. I just realized his mom is the prime minister of Great Britain, and he's driving a French car.
1: I know. I thought that was kind of interesting.
2: Which wouldn't have been a huge issue, but racers accidentally misreported the location of his breakdown, and when officials couldn't find him, he was declared missing. This thrust the race in international news with a manhunt that lasted six days. What? During this time, Mark Thatcher claimed he read the same book over and over to stay busy. That hmm. book was Greetings and Ham. <laughs> Ultimately. He read it like 400 times. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: He started rapping it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, he was spotted by an Algerian military aircraft 35 miles off course, which is not that far, but can be very far. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, man. You know? Six days in the desert like that. Six Good days up. in the desert like that is a daddy home. <laughs> the Algerian government absorbed much of the cost of the search and rescue, but left seventeen hundred and eighty-four British pounds to be sorted out by the Brits.
3: I like saying it one point seven. 000. One point seven
2: thousand British pounds. <laughs> Fearing backlash over the use of public funds, the conservative prime minister. Thatcher covered the full cost of the remaining bill. Yeah, that's like a uh,
3: one paycheck for her. Wow. If that. With the benefit of
2: hindsight, Mark Thatcher wrote in 2004 that he did absolutely no preparation (laughs) for the Paris-Dakar, surprising nobody. That's not a surprise at all. My
3: mommy will figure this out. I'm (laughs) a
2: little gent. (laughs) I can figure it out. I wish I was a Nepo baby. For mm-hmm. sure, I would be just so great at being mm-hmm. wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what would you I'd, do? I What's would have killed team? people, but you know, oh. for sure, hmm. definitely. Who at a party? Some mm-hmm. rando, yeah, some poor kid at a party, <laughs> <laughs> at like uh-huh. a at like a festival, right? You know, yeah, like at Bonnaroo, yeah. I would have had like a big mansion house mm-hmm. for Bonnaroo, yeah, because I'd probably be into fish.
3: I'm so happy you're not super rich, then. Why? Because I could have been offed.
2: Oh, yeah. You would have been up there. We've been friends for long enough. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't have killed you on purpose. I would have, like, wrecked a car. Yeah. You'd have
3: been like, yeah, go parasailing, but then not, like... Not doing your preparation. Yeah,
2: like see, I think like I wouldn't have like killed somebody, but it would have been like, a, Is this Negligence. your fault? Is this your fault? Yeah. And then they decide ultimately, Nope, it's not. It would have been a manslaughter thing. And then you get like community service. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. one hour. Yeah. And you
3: then have then to went, clean your boat for one hour. Yeah. yeah. Hour.
2: How's this going to affect your streetwear brand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 1983 Paris Dakar rally featured yet another celebrity debut French singer Daniel Bellevoine. Well, he took on his 1st to car driving a Datsun. Balavoin became a star when he was cast in the role of Johnny Rockford in the musical Star Mania, <laughs> oh, yeah. a dark rock opera that takes place in a dystopic future. Mm-hmm. While unfamiliar to many English-speaking audiences, the musical is huge in France. That same year, with two races under his belt, the duo of Jackie Ickx and Claude Bursuer won their first Paris-Dakar in the truck class, driving a Mercedes G-Wagon, baby. Hubert Ariel won his first Paris-Dakar riding a motorcycle built by BMW. These victories were made all the more impressive by the massive sandstorm that hit the race during a stage in (laughs) the... Uh, by a massive sandstorm that hit the race during the stage in the Dinero Desert. The chaos caused 40 competitors to become lost. Some had to spend as many as four days getting back to the main route, which is still two days less than Mark Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> While this seems like another badass phenomenon to add to the paris Dakar's mystique, this event would prove to be a tragic foreshadowing of the 1986 race. The 1986 Paris-Dakar rally was again
1: hit with ferocious sandstorms. These were so bad that their usual safety air support was grounded. As the race went on, numerous competitors got stuck due to accidents caused by the blinding sand. Even worse, one motorcyclist was knocked unconscious and had to be carried to base camp, Uh. while another crash sent a rider into a coma and eventually his death. On the evening of January 14th, Terry Sabine took to the skies by helicopter to search for stranded vehicles he felt a responsibility
2: to the racers and had previously said in an interview quote 10 minutes before they leave the competitors don't know where they are going but they know i will be there if they get into a mess there is a complicity between them and me some of them even call me god and i like that that really went off the rails (laughs) yeah whoa I mean, he wow. started out kind of like, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, trying to help people. Uh, okay. Okay. And oh, he like, thinks what? he's
1: God. Terry was joined by two pilots a French newspaper correspondent and French singer slash previous race participant, the aforementioned Daniel Balavoine. Flying low to spot stuck vehicles, eventually, high winds crashed the aircraft into a large sand dune one that was nearly impossible to see in the darkness of night mm. the crash killed all five on board including terry sabine the man the french press had nicknamed the megalomaniac of the sands oh,
3: that's cool nigga. why
1: <laughs> <laughs> they call me god and i like that <laughs> french actor and jackie ix's co-champion claude brassers said of the founder's death quote,
2: Sabine was not just simply the head of the rally or the director of the race. He was someone whom one day you detested and the next you adored. He also repeated a common criticism. Sabine made the race too difficult, not just for others, but for himself as well. Sounds like Zach Redpath, (laughs) director of High Low and some of our other videos. For some reason, just makes it really hard Mm. to do uh, <laughs> you guys are sleeping on a cliff what why i don't know is it going to be in the video no yeah, probably not no, but you got to sleep on this rock
3: there might be a three second shot
2: it's of it th- i need a three second shot of you guys sleeping on this rock so you got to sleep on this rock for the next <laughs> time
3: lapse so yeah. we need to see yeah. you just sleep there all night
2: officials did not stop
1: the race after the crash believing this to be what terry would have wanted but they did cancel the stage the next day to add a day of rest to a race that normally only has one. In the aftermath, Terry's dad Gilbert took over as director of the Paris-Dakar rally. To make the crash even more tragic, Balavoine, the French singer, had used his fame and participation in the Paris rally to bring attention to the plight of the impoverished areas in Sahara that lacked modern water pumps. He was only visiting the 1986 Paris-Dakar to assist in the delivery and installation of these water pumps. Family and friends of Daniel Balavon set up the Association Daniel Balavon to install those water pumps in the Western Sahara. And these days, their mission has broadened to helping in the areas of education and food self-sufficiency. I like that. Pretty awesome. Hell yeah, Balavon. Terry's asses were scattered by the Lost Tree, an acacia tree in the Tanara Desert, Said to be among the most isolated in the world, with no other trees in the radius of hundreds of miles. Nice, that's yeah. crazy. That's there today. The tree is also known as Terry Sabine Tree and memorializes oh, Sabine on. with a bronze plaque, just as he probably would have wanted.
2: Of course, he'd want that. That's like some
1: pretty appropriate. <laughs> hey, this tree that's probably been here for hundreds of years. It's actually mine. Let's favorite. call it
3: General yeah. Sherman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: This guy died doing a hobby out here, so... And he was also <laughs> kind of a jerk. This yeah. is his.
1: <laughs> that's... Cr- I, I can't get over that quote, man. <laughs> Some of them call me God. And, and I like, like it. Uh, that's I crazy. like
2: it. Uh, Drink my blood. And
1: I like that. He's, <laughs> he said that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Drink my blood. <laughs> we'll
1: get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors.
2: To address a gradual decline in people willing to risk it all for a race, the Paris-Dakar rally was going to reimagine its route. In 1992, the race ran the length of the African continent and finished on the beaches of Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, There's a lot going on in 1992 in South Africa. Mm. In another first, GPS devices were also allowed.
3: That's something I didn't think of, but yeah, that would help so much.
2: Oh, yeah, so much help. Why haven't we been doing this all along? There was another massive change in 1992. Hubert Ariel, two-time motorcycle champion, would no longer compete on a bike due to a series of injuries. With age comes cage. So
1: this is crazy. In 86, he crashed and dislocated his shoulder. Then the next year, while racing Cyril, Ariel crashed and broke both of his ankles. Oh. Ow. Ow. Despite this, he still managed. That <laughs> was right. Yeah. Ow. 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 I can Ow. see
3: that. <laughs> You know, both pedals, yeah. just
1: like... Well, despite uh, breaking his ankles, he managed to get on his bike, he completed the stage, Whoa. and was in so much pain that he collapsed at the finish line and had to have his boots cut
2: off of him because he couldn't do it.
1: That's it My clean. boots,
3: yeah. please spare my boots. That's uh, insane.
2: Boot cutter. <laughs> boot cutter. <laughs> so in 1992, because of those injuries, he decided to make the leap to driving cars and join the Mitsubishi team. Good decision. Uh, worst teams to join. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> In doing so, he became the first person to win the car on two wheels and on four wheels. By 1995, the name Oriol was practically synonymous with Paris Dakar and became director of the race until 2004. Wow. I'm
3: thinking I maybe I do five wheels next year? <laughs> maybe I do
2: five, six, seven, eight, uh, because the limit, maybe you call me God now.
3: <laughs>
2: the 1990s also featured the emergence of two new Paris Dakar legends. Uta Kleinschmidt and Stefan Hansel. Uta <laughs> Kleinschmidt first competed in 1988 on a motorcycle before switching to a car in 1994. In 1997, the year Titanic came out and Biggie Smalls died, she became the first woman to win a stage. And in 2001, never forget, Uta became the first and to date only woman to win the Paris dakar Wow. That's cool. Frenchman Stefan Peter. Peter Hansel made his debut also at the 1988 Paris Dakar, riding for Yamaha at the tender age of 22, and what a tender age it was! Hey, little Stefan, is your daddy home? <laughs> <laughs> Three short years later, Peter Hansel would begin his reign as the most dominant racer in the history of Paris Dakar. In 1991, riding a Yamaha YZE 750T, Peter Hansel won his first of six titles in eight years. Wow. After conquering motorcycles, he switched to the car class in 1999, the year of Woodstock 99. Five years later, he joined <laughs> Hubert. You are correct. O- yeah, man. I'm freaking
3: Killing it, it with these contexts, historical context, Crazy. It's coming like rapid fire.
2: It's like, hey, you might not know what, that this was happening, but this to put it into context for you. Here's what else was happening in the world. An event with the year in the name. <laughs> hey, that was the only one. The rest of them were real. That's not my fault. That that's what it was called. Woodstock well, like '99. <laughs> Relevant. Five years later, he joined Hubert Ariol as one of two competitors to win the race on both two and four wheels. Wow. Peter Hansel would rack up more victories, records, and superlatives just as Paris-Dakar was entering a period of change. Uh-huh. Uh, Drink my blood. <laughs> Drink my blood, Falker. I'm Grimace. <laughs>
1: In 2008, the first (laughs) and to date only time in the race's history, Paris-Dakar was canceled. Oh.
2: What was going on in 2008? Yeah, Paris-Dakar, why'd you get canceled?
1: In the days leading up to the race, four French tourists were murdered in Mauritania by Al-Qaeda-linked terrorists. This, plus direct threats against the race by terrorist groups, caused the cancellation and led to an entirely new location for what was becoming known as the Dakar.
3: Do you want to know a fun fact about Mauritania? Germany. Yeah. That's where the word Moors comes from. You know, the oh. Moors in Spain.
2: Oh. Yeah. Like Othello. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Mm. Interesting. You learn something every day on here on Pass so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Okay, so the new setting for this race was across the Atlantic Ocean. That's right. We're going To the new world, baby. From 2009 to 2019, the Dakar was actually held in South America. I did not know this. Yeah, where competitors traded the threat of heat exhaustion in the desert for the dangers of altitude sickness in the Andes Mountains, Joe. Which would you rather? I'd rather be in the mountains. Oh, really? Yeah. I'd do terribly up at high altitude. Why? Because you smoke? No, I just, like, get really bad headaches. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, I bought I you oxygen altitude. last
2: time we were at altitude. Really? You did. I did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, it, it was marginal. It was kind of a novelty. Yeah. <laughs> it was a novelty oxygen. It was cool, though. I, I felt. Yeah. It was like flavored, too. I think it was bubblegum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ew. It was like sex on the beach. <laughs> I was like,
3: where'd you find
2: <laughs> yeah. this? Uh,
1: yeah, um, what well,
3: kind of store did you buy that from? we were in
2: Colorado yeah. and we were driving through like a lot of mountains and yeah. it, some of the trailheads a lot of the like the gas stations and stuff in the area would sell just like cans of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had flavors. Yeah. I got mint, I got Nolan Bubblegum.
1: <sighs> so anyway, uh they're in the Andes. Throughout this period, Stefan Peter Hansel continued his utter domination. He won four times, twice driving for Mini and twice driving for peugeot peugeot but you can take the dakar out of the desert but you can't keep Dakar out of the desert (laughs) for too long okay Uh beginning in 2020 the rally moved to saudi arabia Mm -hmm. and in 2021 to cap off his amazing career peter hansel driving for mini won his 14th dakar title and his eighth in the car class and in the process he became the only competitor to have won the dakar on three continents africa south america and with Saudi Arabia in Asia,
3: that's cool. I think a mini would be really fun to do the Dakar Rally in. Uh-huh, the Dakar Minis. Well, they're like really these
1: cool. huge monsters, basically. You should check it out, Mini Monsters. Yeah, check out Mini Dakar Car. They're like these. They're
3: like really famous. I mean, it, it was like a countryman or a clubman or something. Club yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, clubman with like off. Yeah, you know, it looks it's like a small short trophy truck, basically with yeah. a mini body on top. But it's pretty dope. It would they be all-wheel drive, I assume. Or oh yeah.
3: to Oasis while you're <laughs> driving yeah. in Saudi Arabia. They're sick.
2: From 182 competitors in the initial running, Dakar boasted over 1,000 competitors for its 2023 running in Saudi Arabia. In its current iteration, the rally has between ten to fifteen stages and is generally between four to five thousand miles in length. Jeez! From its initial two classes of car and motorcycles, the car now offers five main categories: motorcycles, motorcycles with four wheels, cars, trucks, quads, and side by sides.
3: <clears throat> Those things are not like side by sides.
2: No. Why? Because nobody. Who doesn't have one? They tear up the trail. Mm. Off-road guys don't
3: like side by side. I think they're kind of cool. They're fun. It's like a roller coaster that you drive. They're fun, but they
2: tear up the trail, and everyone has one, and they rip all over, and they're just generally – they got a bad rep for being
1: I mean,
3: if you're in the desert, though, it's going to be like, my sand moved.
1: Yeah, I I see what James is saying. Like, in America, Mm. it's like, traditionally – like, people who go off-roading, you have to, like, build your Jeep out. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to, like, outside side by sides. It. like, a... It's kind of, it's like, it, it's more, it's, it's a good. dedication kind of thing. Like, right. you make your rig. But yeah, then, mm-hmm. these side-by-sides are a lot cheaper to make, or, like, buy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're incredibly capable. So, you can just, like, buy your way into the scene... And, I get And why you people, don't yeah.
2: slowly get into the scene where, like, you learn the etiquette right. of it. Oh. It's so, just like, like, you just have side-by-side people just, like, ripping all over the place, being dangerous. It's kind of yeah. like it's, it's like the
1: off-road version of, like, buying a
2: boat. Right, know? yeah. You it's just, just kind it of like yokels. Just, it's like, you're not, you're kind of ruining this.
3: It's like Tesla Model 3 owners. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they also <laughs> make the trail,
2: sure. like, <laughs> oh. So, That's a bummer.
3: Yeah. Okay, I take back my endorsement. No, they're fun, though. Don't,
2: don't fun apologize. Is, they're, they're fun as oh, as off. Oh, <laughs> <is laughs> come they're on. Now you're switching them up. Come on. They're fun is off. Just you should learn the rules of the road yes. yeah, or the off-road. Rule, yeah. Each vehicle can have one to three participants, not including support crew. Despite all the technological advancements that have come in the past four decades, the car still is imbued with its spirit of man versus nature. Vehicles now have GPS, and the specific route is given to the competitors in the form of a digital road book just 15 minutes before the beginning of a stage. That's sick.
3: That's pretty cool.
2: Racers must follow the laid-out course, despite the fact that wind and sand can lay waste to the markings organizers have set up. And they must get within 10 meters of waypoints in order to digitally validate that they're staying true to the course or Mm -hmm. they face penalties. That's Mm -hmm. sick. That's pretty cool how they do it. Also in the vein of keeping the Dakar closest to Sabine's initial vision, there's the Malamoto class, now called the original by Motul class.
1: Hmm. Okay.
2: This is a motorcycle class in which riders must maintain and repair their own machinery without the help of a factory team. It's also incumbent on the riders to carry their own food and tent with them. It's simultaneously the most difficult and most affordable class to compete in. Did
3: uh, Carlos Sainz Sr. ever do Dakar? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: He actually got
1: injured this year uh, racing in it. Oh, no. His car went, like, kind of almost endoed going over a jump, and it, like, broke a vertebrae in his back. Jeez, he domed
3: himself. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: I actually watched a lot of Dakar this week. Sorry, this year, because they had highlights online. And it's just it's so cool like, depending on what time you start, how the ch- the course changes. Because, like, you kind of want to be hanging back a little bit from the mm-hmm. start. Because the people that start on the dunes have no direction of where to go. But yeah. after a few cars go by, the course starts to kind of, like, uh, beat in to the yeah. dunes. Hmm. Uh, and pack in as well, like the sand. Yeah. Pretty neat. Um, Keep up with the race, guys. Because, like they make it easy it's to sick. watch the highlights and it's very cool just to watch these things there's so many different classes yeah. so many different kinds of cars there's like a dakar classic class where people race stuff from the 70s and 80s and 90s oh, into vintage that. like yeah. it's, it's so cool man
3: well it's not all rosy nolan no it's there not are Joe, some
1: criticism that's right the dakar has been criticized for a variety of reasons joe the most common being how dangerous it is and the sheer number of deaths since its inception. 32 competitors have died as a result of the Dakar. Most deaths in Dakar are a result of accidents and collisions, obviously, be it with other vehicles or spectators. However, in 1991, Charles Cabane, a French driver of the support truck from the Citroen team, he was shot, with his death being attributed to the ongoing conflict between Tuareg rebels and the Malian military. In 1996, Laurent Gayen a support truck driver for Citroen, was killed as a result of Of an intra-country conflict drivers were warned to stay close to the main route because of old landmines planted during a conflict between the Moroccan army and the Polisario front rebels Laurent Gagan's truck was off the main route when it hit a landmine killing him instantly not a that's a bad way to go dude. of course participants in the Dakar knowingly entered into a dangerous situation but in it I mean you're going through all these countries and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, you, you got to keep like your kind of invincible racer kind of mindset. Uh, you got to leave that at the door because you're mm-hmm. in a – yeah, you're not in your country. You're going through a, a place you don't know. By In addition to the competitor's deaths, there have been an astounding 46 deaths of spectators or officials. 1988 provided a particularly horrific example. A 10-year-old Malian girl was killed by a driver while crossing the road and a Mauritanian mother and child were killed when a media vehicle crashed into a group of bystanders. Aside from high-end business, many of the communities that the race goes through claim to have seen little benefit from the race, and the costs of poor air quality from dust kick-up, yet alone innocent deaths, make for a complicated relationship. It doesn't help that the natural beauty that often makes for the best aesthetic landscape is also among the Earth's most fragile and the least prepared for hundreds of vehicles driving over it at high speed. When the race took place in south america chilean archaeologists environmental activists and indigenous groups tried unsuccessfully to block it from occurring this effort was in part due to a 2011 study done by the chilean government that showed nearly half of the country's ancient sites had been damaged by some capacity from the race that's messed up that's not cool at all and now that the race has seemingly found a new home in saudi arabia Criticism is largely centered on Saudi Arabia's poor record on human rights and subsequent attempts at sports washing.
3: That's uh, the thing with Saudi Arabia is like they got a lot of money, so they're they got, bringing a lot of attention and sports well, and stuff to them.
1: They want to become the entertainment like center of the world. That's kind of their Vegas plans. of the Middle East. Yes, so that's why they're investing. You know, the with the PGA, the yeah. FIA, they have a large uh, investment in McLaren, the F1 team. Mm-hmm. Um, paris dakar rally obviously uh they got who's the soccer player they
3: uh, uh hired? they were gonna get Messi, but Messi Not signed Messi, to Miami.
1: Uh, ronaldo right oh yeah yeah ronaldo's over there playing for them uh, i mean they're spending billions of dollars to try to clean their image by making everyone just watch the sports that they produce now yeah. basically all right so stunning deadly and unable to be killed itself dakar continues having held its 45th edition in 2023 the gorgeous vistas of remote locations as the stage for a man-versus-nature battle royale continue to call competitors and fans alike. The modernization of the race continues to serve Terry Sabine's dual mandate of, quote, a challenge for those who go, a dream for those who stay behind. For those who stay behind, the dream is more accessible than ever, with more media coverage of the entire event available on cable and streaming services every year. As for those who go... The race may have left Africa, but the spirit of Dakar perseveres in both its name and its punishing hellish terrain that still manages to push the needle of human endurance
3: well into the red.
2: I want to do decor. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I want
3: to push my life up into that rev limiter. I got to push the needle.
2: (laughs) That's the rev limiter that I'm bouncing off of constantly. (laughs) Oh, That's sick., okay. uh, well, we finally did it, and I was not disappointed. What wow. a fun story, and it's as cool as I thought it would be. We got listener mail. Hi, guys. My name is Porter, but my friends call me Clay. All right, Clay. Okay. I'm from <laughs> Michigan, and I just wanted to say that I am a huge fan. I've listened to almost every episode of Past Guests, starting from June of last year. I'm a freshman in high school, and I have hyper on cars since I was four. I was hoping to ask if you guys could do an episode on the story of Don the Snake Prudhomme and Tom the Mongoose McEwen. We,
3: we did have, that, dude. Go we ba- have, dude. Go back. We Before June keep, of last year, we did scrolling. a lot of. Uh, keep scrolling yeah. on your yeah. podcast dude. app. Keep scrolling. Yeah, it's yeah. there.
1: We did we it. Did but it. thank you for
3: being a fan, though.
2: Thanks for being a fan. And honestly, that's good news because now you can just go listen to it. Peace, mm-hmm. love, and horsepower, Porter. P.S. Oh. Michigan declares war on the Wink Wink Nation. Uh-oh. What? You just stuck that in there post script. Wow. Are you going to stand for that?
3: I don't have beef with Michigan. Oh, okay. Now you do. Uh, Porter is... uh, We could be stronger together and we could fight Minnesota, but you playing.
1: Yeah, well, uh, speaking of Wink Wink Nation, just a reminder: we've got new Wink Wink Nation shirts, which are very cool. Uh, We've got the poster with the same design for the Wink Wink Nation. We've got little Wink Wink Nation stickers and a bunch of stickers, merchandise that you can buy. Uh, It's awesome. Go check it out at donutmedia.com. Make sure you get yourself
2: some sun... And uh, we'll see you guys next week with another bonkers recounting of automotive history. (laughs) Uh, Follow me at James (laughs) Humphrey on all social media. Follow Nolan at Nolan J. Sykes. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber on Threads. And and Clay or Potter
3: or whatever your name is. Porter. You unfollow me.
2: Yeah, unfollow Joe Porter, but double follow me. (laughs) That would be an unfollow.
1: See you next time.